How's everybody doing? What great worship, huh? Oh, man, I loved it. Yeah, give it up again. Come on, give it up for, for Jesus, really, because that's, that's who we're worshiping. Um, I, I just have such a privilege today to share with you this, this Lord that I love so much, that loved me and loved you way more than we ever even knew about him. More, more, it's just amazing to me. Um, in fact, I was so excited today that um, I was getting ready and, and my wife's at the new place kind of trying to clean it up and get it ready. And then so I went home, and saw, which is our trailer in the middle of dirt in the high desert. And, um, and I did my stuff and I'm getting ready. And I was going and I'm dri- I finally got in the car and I'm driving and I'm on the 15. And I'm like, yeah, I, I did it. I didn't screw up today. And then somehow, I don't know, what, I just felt really comfortable and I thought... Oh, I've thought of that verse um, in, in Hezekiah 18. Um, there's no book of the Bible named Hezekiah, but I just made that up. Um, but it says, be sure your slippers will find you out. Um, I didn't wear my shoes today. I accidentally wore my slippers. So it kind of looks like, I was saying earlier, it kind of looks like um, a 100-year-old carpet with 50-year-old drapes, and I just slapped them together, doesn't it? I love it. Um, so I don't normally wear slippers when I preach. Um, and I apologize for that. It's just when you're in the middle of moving and craziness and life, sometimes you got slippers on, right? So <laughs> grace, grace to you too if you've got slippers on as well today. I, I hey, as long as you're here, right? As long as you're here. And my wife said, "Don't tell anybody you're wearing slippers. Nobody will probably know." And I said, "Oh no, I need to let everybody know how stupid I am." So that's okay, because. Because I want you, I, the last thing I want to be, even though I'm on a stage here, is I, I, I am on the same level as really junior hires. So, um, so I look up a lot to you guys, because you're definitely uh, a lot smarter than I am in a lot of ways. Uh, but anyway, I'm just so excited, so, so glad to, man, what, what, a, what a week. I don't know if you had a crazy week, I know I've had a crazy week, um, but I'm so glad to be in the house of the Lord. It, it's just so good to see my family here. Um, I just feel blessed. My family and I feel blessed to be a part of this great family at the mission. And, and we just love to see new people who are coming in and we can get to know them, put our arms around them and just um, really let our family to their family get together and know that we're, we can be one family, one family in Jesus. Uh, Easter's coming up and we've got a whole new... Uh, a, a series that's going to be happening. We're done with this one. Pretty much this is the conclusion. And some of you are like, thank the Lord. Chris has been talking so much about this. Uh, <laughs> by the way, I had to leave under the cover of night last week because I went way over and a lot of children's workers were, were following and looking around with, with like bats and, and, and brass knuckles and they were ready to find me because they're like, I had to sit with those kids for like an hour because Chris talked too long. And so I was hiding and kind of ducking out and everything else. So, sorry. Thanks for that one little laugh. I appreciate that out there. <laughs> that, uh, like I said, I'm not very smart here. Um, hey, I want to tell you a real quick story about a time when I, I had the privilege to go to Mexico with about 20 to 30 um, high schoolers and a couple eighth graders. And we, and we used to do this thing with Azusa Pacific University, which was really cool. We'd go to Ensenada and we would put on a VBS for the whole week. And I don't speak a lick of Spanish, okay? I know my vocab really well, and you can thank seven years of compulsory education for that. But I can't speak a lick of it. I mean, I just, it was always the verbs. That's what got me. I can never conjugate all that. But anyway, so we would go down there. We'd always have a couple kids that were really good at speaking Spanish. And we would put on a vacation Bible school for about 200 kids. 
kids. And it was just awesome because you'd put up the speakers and you'd just, they'd start shouting in, in, in Spanish. And all these kids would just start showing up in the streets of Ensenada. It was really cool. I did more of the construction thing where we would help and fix and, and build in the churches we were at or in the communities we were around. And it was really cool. But I just remember this one time, it stuck with me. And the crazy thing is, the kids that were with me at that time, they still talk about it to this day. And what it was, was we went to a small little church run by a, um, just a family. It was, it was a, 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 the older pastor and his wife and his two kids. And, and he was blind by diabetes. And it was just one of those interesting things where you, he was really good at pretending not to be blind. You, you know, he just kind of got around and I didn't know he was blind until like a couple of hours after talking with him. He was just really good at, you know, or I'm just really bad at figuring those things out. But, but, you know, and then we got to know him and we served at his church for a week and it was awesome. We saw a lot of cool things happen and just being a part of it. But the, the thing that stuck with us is at the end of the week, they had this big old meal for us, which, you know, we don't go to get food, make big meals and be treated and spoiled. And we just felt like we were spoiled by their hospitality, you know, and they just really took care of us. And, and at the end of it, we were just like sitting around feeling fat and sassy, you know, just kind of all that good uh, uh, tacos and everything. And we're just loving it. And, and he does this thing where he gets up. And he doesn't speak very good English, and so through the interpreter, he said, hey, this is, this is, I've been praying for you all week, and, and I would love, I would be honored to wash your feet. And we kind of all had that nervous, like, ha, <laughs> right, no. And he's like, no, really. And he had a towel, and he had a tub of water, and he proceeded to wash 30 kids and the leaders' feet, which w- just blew me out of the water. It just blew me out of the water because here's this blind pastor and he's not just like dunk, done, you know, getting through it like, like a, a conveyor belt or an assembly line. I mean, he was taking his time and he was praying and you could even see at some points he was cra- like crying and, and all these different things over each individual's kid's feet. And I mean, I had some hard kids there. I had some kids that were just, I mean, coming out of just hard living, you know, I, I just we reached out to a lot of kids that were on the edge, and and these kids were just weeping, as this man of God was just on his knees washing their feet, and that just stuck with me. You know, it just was one of those things that I I looked at and I went, that's Jesus, that's Jesus. Now I'm not blind like he was. I knew he wasn't literally Jesus, but he he was. Jesus. And so I have this awesome passage today that I really want to share with you. And it's out of John 13, where we get to see our Lord for who he really is. And one of the biggest things that I encounter in my own life, as well as talking with others, is seeing that we all have these varying degrees of who God is. We all have these ideas of, of what we think God is, or what we think God will do, or, or what, in just my weird growing up and how I lived, of, of, of how God wants to treat me and everything in between. And sometimes we just need to sit back and look at what God did. What, what Jesus did. And this is what I'm hoping to share with you today, which I just think is super exciting. It's John 13. Um, and before we read it, it's, it's crazy because what we have in John 13, before we get into it, is we have Jesus revealing the vision of discipleship. 
He doesn't just say it. He's been saying it, but he then lives it out in this passage, which is phenomenal because, you see, we have a God that doesn't just say, because he could have. He could have just come down in shining glory, you know, just kind of coming down in that blue robe and the white sash and oh, with angels around him. And Why are angels always naked little babies? That, does that creep anybody else out? That just creeps me out. I don't know why, but it just does. I'm sorry. I'm like, I don't want an angel. I want an angel to be tough, you know, to fight off the, the junk of this world. Not some creepy little baby with wings. I don't know. I'm sorry. Maybe that, maybe you love those. I apologize. But so here, you know, it's not that. It's not this idea of this Jesus coming down and just saying, thus saith the Lord, peace out and leaving. You know, he came as a servant. Like he came and walked amongst. He had 11 or 12 disciples and one of them stabbed him in the back. You know, one of them totally betrayed him, betrayed him with a kiss. I mean, there's nothing harder than that, you know, like, hey, rabbi, I'm going to get money for you walking away, you know, like crazy. And then even then he had three really tight hombres, you know, really just these these men that walk with him and they couldn't even last with him as he says, please, I'm at the point of death and depression and just I am going nuts here as he's sweating blood. Just stay awake a little bit longer and pray for me and just just. Put your thoughts towards me because I'm, I'm so... And, and they couldn't even do it. They passed out. They, they're like, oh yeah, I know Jesus wants us to pray, but... You know, I mean, it's just done. Human beings. And he's amongst them. With them. And what we see in this passage just blows me away because it shows the heart of God. It shows the vision that God has that doesn't just say it from some lofty place from some up high area that will never, like, what? I can't tell. What did he, no, he lived amongst us, slapped us in the face with his love and grace and truth, so much so that it's so hard to not get it. But this is the hard part today, and this is what I'm hoping you get out of this today. I'm just going to offload this right in the front. There's a response. There's always a point to the vision that Jesus lived out and gave. And that's for us to pick it up and in His power, through His Spirit, live it out. My kids need to live in a community where people live out Jesus. The people outside need to see a community of lovers of God. Not just people who say it, but believe it. That live it because they love God and they truly love others. Amen? And so this is where we're at. Because we don't just, we didn't just sit down and one day come up with, hey, this fits well together. I can put my marketing skills behind that. No. We just looked at the Bible and said, God wants to connect with this community. God wants to have us grow in faith. And God wants us to serve Jesus. Amen? So, as we look at this, what I would like for you to do is is, um, just stand up as we read God's Word out of respect for God's Word. If you're able to, go ahead and stand up. But this is Jesus who moves into our neighborhood, sets up shop right in our yard and pours the concrete to a new foundation. And this is what I love what He does. It just blows my mind. All right, as we read in John 13, 1-17, follow along with us here. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. 
Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Now Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with his towel that was wrapped around him. Now he came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, are are you going to wash my feet? Jesus Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you'll get it, you'll understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Oh, 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 then Lord, um, could you not just wash my feet then, but wash everything else? Even my head as well? <laughs> Jesus answers, you've got to love Peter, right? I'm sorry, you just got to love Peter. He's like me. He puts his foot in the mouth all the time. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet, but their whole body is clean. See, and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew he was going to be betrayed, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. Now, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher, and you call me Lord. For what that, that is what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Okay, you may be seated. Great passage. And, and this is what I'm really hoping you grasp today. If, you, if you've never met Jesus, this is the perfect passage to truly see Jesus' vision played out in his life and the summation of what he came to do. And the Apostle Paul, if there's a, it's a great passage. If you want to, for further study, just go ahead and look up Philippians chapter 2. It talks about Jesus, Philippians 2 and 3, really, where he's just going through and saying, look at what Jesus did as a servant And so awesome. But see, here he's got his closest disciples, the people that he's been camping with, sleeping next to, eating hummus with, and goat, and and, and getting some, you know, bad cramps from bad hummus, you know, a couple of times. Who knows? But he's lived life with them as a human being. You know? Who knows how many times James got gas? We don't know. But that's life, right? And I'm not being crass for the sake of being funny or crass, but I'm saying this is life. This is life. Was Jesus there to, to pat the, you know, uh, John on the back when John just was sick? Or, 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 or having a hard day? Yes. Yes, he was there. And those guys were just as much there for Jesus, who was also 100% human, as he gathered them around him for the sake of his vision, of God's vision. But the crazy thing about this is if we look at the passages before this, because it sets it up and it's really nice and it's like, oh, this is awesome. But the preface of this, where it's put into context, is we see right before this, Jesus' disciples are all gathered around doing, like, debate. They're arguing. They're fighting. They're angry. Because every single one of them is like, hey, hey, by the way, I'm better than you. And I think Jesus is going to make me the greatest. Because I think I'm better than you are. No, 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 that's not true. Because I remember you talked over here. And you know what? I'm a better disciple. No, I'm a better disciple. You get this? It's kind of this idea like, like who... Have you ever gotten an argument like that with somebody? One of the things that just drives me crazy about Christians in a church is they go, this guy's a really good Christian. Oh, and that guy's not a really good Christian? 
I didn't know there were degrees of Christianity. I thought it was you're either a Christian or you're not. Because that's what Jesus says. But here are these guys in this religious debate of, no, I'm a better follower of Christ. I'm a better Christian. Please understand, there's no degrees. You either are or you aren't. That's it. You either say, Jesus, without you, I got nothing. Or you don't. And so here are these guys fighting about this. And you know, yeah, you can just see Jesus, like, like just kind of, really? Like, I'm going to go die, and you guys are fighting? I don't know about you, but if this was me, I'd be like, you know what? I've poured three years into my life into you guys. You are so pathetic. Seriously, have you not gotten it? Have you not figured this out? Have you, you know, I'd be fed up. Because I get fed up. I just do. I'm a human being. And Jesus, with the grace, 100% grace, instead of just telling them, Hey guys, this is what your life is really to be about. He shows them. He shows them. You see, this is exactly what happens when people don't have God's purpose and vision in their life. We make it about what we can do or what we need to do at that moment. And we have this tyranny of this religious or religion where we say, no, I'm going to be a better than you and I'm, I'm going to be best and I'm going to, you know, and, and we do this, by the way, in general. I mean, non-Christians do this. It's like, well, why do you think you should go to heaven? Well, because I've been a, a good person as opposed to what? What's the standard, you see? And, and the problem is we do this. We, we, well, I'm not as bad as that guy. But who's that guy saying? Well, that guy's saying, well, I'm not as bad as that guy. Or I'm not as bad as that guy. And then it gets down to well, who is eventually... You see, the problem we get to is Jesus came and he's like, there's no hierarchy here. This isn't what it's about. And instead of getting into a philosophical debate with these guys or, hey, I'm done with you, he says, you know what? He just gets up. And he just moves towards... And again, this is what I'm hoping. We as a church, with vision, as we see God's vision do this, we're not here to debate. We're not here to argue. We're not here to push Jesus. God does a great enough job on his own letting people know that he's God. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need me to argue somebody into the kingdom. He doesn't need me to stand up on a soapbox and tell people how wrong they are. Last time I checked, that was the job of the Holy Spirit, not me. But what he does say is go and make disciples of all nations. Go in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. And last time I checked, I know how God has gone. And what he has done is he got down and he served. You see, what we have in this God is we have a, we have a, a Messiah that doesn't just say, I love you, but gets up and gets down on his knees and washes the disciples' feet. That's the Jesus that got on the cross. That's the God that I want to give my life to. I love this. So, I can't understate this enough, and I just want to say it one more time. God always moves first. He always moves first. He always comes towards us before we have a chance. Religion says we need to move forward to God before He will. And Christianity says God always moves forward before we can. Do you get that? Because to me, that's essential. If I don't do that, then I'm always stuck going, God, what can I do for you so that you notice me? What can I do for you so I can get better? Because there's always going to be a standard that I can't reach and I don't know if I've gotten it. But if I know that God has come to me first and then lifted me up out of myself, whatever it is that I can do, I can't do anything because he's already done it for me. Then I can say, oh, 
This wasn't me. I don't deserve this. It's grace. It's grace. It's that gift that we could never get. Exactly. We should be laughing about it. It's almost ridiculous when you think about it. It's undeserved merit, undeserved grace. And so his disciples, as they're fighting over this, they're in the middle of this thing called Passover. Now, many of us don't know what Passover always is, and it's, it's kind of the, the, the Jewish, some of you might have Jewish friends. I, I had an opportunity to go through Passover um, with, with a friend of mine and do some stuff when I was little, and I, I kind of understand it, but I'm going to go through a little bit here. Passover is the meal that was celebrated by the Jews for hundreds of years because God, when they were slaves in Egypt, sent Moses to come and save them out of that. He said, I heard the cries of my people. And the most interesting thing about that is is, is that God didn't send Moses in there because he was so upset that they were upset or he was so like, like, hey, I just want them out of there and it's not fair. No, he said, you've kept them from fulfilling my vision. You see, Pharaoh, you've kept them from doing what I've called them to do, which is to be salt of the earth and light on a hill. You've kept them from worshiping me. And it wasn't like God's just sitting back going, oh, no, no, I just need people to talk about me. I need people to, like, worship me. Otherwise, I feel, you know, like, less than, and I kind of get a complex. No, he's saying they have a worshiping vision. They have a passion and a purpose that needs to come out and go to all the world, and you're keeping them from doing that. You're making them build and slave away, and they can't live. You see, and today we have a society that puts ourselves in such a slavery position with all the things that we think we need or think we have to have, and we get to this place where we're unable to live the vision and the purpose that God has for us. And God is not content with His people being in this place, and by the way, He desires all people to worship Him, all people to come out and serve, because this world needs Jesus. This world needs grace. This world needs love. This world needs patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Amen? I don't even watch the news anymore. (laughs) It's too depressing sometimes. Except for the little kitty things at the end, right? Or the dog things at the end where you get a, or a squirrel on, on, that's doing things on, uh, you know, on the, on the lake because they're t- doing the pole thing, you know? It's just, it's like, oh, okay, that's at least okay. But it's so terrible. When you turn on all this stuff, it's like, man, this world needs God. This world needs grace. And so we have, with the Passover, they celebrated this fact that God came and at the end of the ten plagues, he went to Pharaoh and said, I'm going to take the firstborn son. Of everyone, unless you let my people go. Unless they take the blood of a perfect lamb and they put it over the doorposts of their home, then the angel of death will pass over and will not take that firstborn son. And the crazy thing is, we know that some of the Egyptians who knew that God was legit, was God meant what he said, they did that. But the Jews were also told, hey, put that blood of the perfect lamb over your doorpost if you want your firstborn to live. See, the crazy thing is today, we have the blood of Jesus Christ, the firstborn of God, His Son, His one and only Son, to be our ransom, to take us out of slavery. And as He led those Jews out and all the miracles that He did, as He took them to the promised land, they saw that God had a purpose for them. And it was to save them for this vision of reaching the world. And I want to say that today. That's what we've been going through with Connect, Grow, Serve. To reach the world that God loves them. 
that God has a plan for them. And that God wants to do something in this world around us. So, this is the meal that Jesus is in. And so in a few days, he's going to give his life a ransom to all. I'm super excited about what we're going to be going through the next five weeks after this is risen. We're going to be talking about um, just Easter and the whole concept of, of redemption and what God has done and what God is doing and who God is as a servant and a lover of us. And so I'm excited about that. But before we get to that, I just want to make sure you guys get this because to me, I have to get this. I need this. This is why vision is so important. See, after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. But see, remember, we've got to get that part that before that was, he knew God had sent him. He knew the purpose. And if you don't have that purpose, you cannot do this next part. And so please, if you don't know that Jesus came to serve you, you can never serve others. If you don't know the purpose and passion of why you're here or what God is doing in your life, you'll never have that played out in your life around you. You'll never have that in your family. You'll never have that in your relationships. And Jesus lived purpose. He lived the vision that God had given him. And so because of that, he started to do this. And he, he, he took off his outer robes. And you know, the, the idea was they didn't wear the Levi jeans that we do today and the different things and all that stuff. So they had robes on. And, and they usually typically had like an outer tunic that they would wear because a man at that day would probably have one, if not two, if they were lucky. So you had like one pair of clothes, really. Two pairs if you were pretty good. Now the rich people had a lot more, but there was very few rich people in that day. So Jesus probably had one robe. That's it. And he took off the outer part of that, which is kind of the cleanest part. Because the, the inside part was the one that touched the body and so it would get sweaty and everything else. So he's got the cleaner part and then he gets this water and then Peter is like, whoa, stop. And this is the part that kind of blows me away because I'm kind of like, why is he so, why is Peter so upset? Because this was the job of the lowest of the low. See, if you were to go to, let's say you're going to come over to my house and it's first century B.C., or first century A.D., right? You're coming to my house, and you've just walked, and the street's full of camel dung, and, and, and urine, and kids running around. They don't have diapers. Yeah. And, and, and the dirt, and everything just kind of there. Well, the first thing you would see as you entered my house is you'd see a big pot of water. And it wasn't there to, to drink, it was there for cleaning. It was there because if you're going to walk into my house full of that dirt, the servant needs to get to you first to make sure that you are clean because it's up to your ankles with grime and dirt. They didn't have socks. And so what we have is we have Jesus who, who basically comes in and, and he takes this role, which is insane because this was, if you had servants, you would give it to the oldest most blind servant. The one that really had no purpose anymore and that honestly in that day was not utilitarianly uh, uh, advantageous to anything in your house. He wasn't the one that was, that was out there in the field for a long time and would come back. No, this was the one that you almost were like, you know what, if, if you were, I have nothing for you. If you had a family and no servants, it'd be the lowest kid, the least of these, would be the one that would do this job. This would be the, the job of the, of the runt of the family. This would be the job of the, of the one that just had no hope left. 
We'll let him do it. We'll let her do it. But that's it. Because no one else would do this. And if you were to do this in that culture, you would be disrespecting yourself beyond no limit. No way would you do it as a, as a man, first of all. A free man, you would never do this. And, and, and as a woman, if you were the woman of the household, you'd be like, I'm not doing that. You would get the youngest, the least, to do it. And so here, Jesus, nobody's done it yet. That's the pretext, right? Here's all these disciples. What are they doing? They're fighting. Who's the best? They haven't done it. Nobody's feet are clean. They're sitting around a table, actually lounging around a table, where their feet are right in each other's face. And you can almost see them kind of just putting it in their face a little bit, going, see, I'm still stinky. What are you going to do about it? Because I'm the best. <laughs> I'm the best. And Jesus is like, let me show you what's best. And he takes it off. And he sits down. He begins to wash. And Peter is indignant. You see, Jesus is basically saying here that greatness is being a servant. Jesus became a slave so as to serve us and empower us to be a servant church. A servant people. If there's ever a time when I won't clean a toilet, I've lost it. See, if there's ever a time when I won't take care of my kids when I get home because that's not my job, I've lost it. If there's ever a time when you don't see me outside doing something that, that's below my pay grade, quote unquote, then I've lost it. If there's ever a time I won't step up and serve then take me out back and put a bullet in my head because I'm done. And I mean that. You see, I'm here to serve and this is the greatest, this is the greatest pleasure that we have as a church is because what we have been doing for these last two months is saying we are a servant people and we don't want to just say that. We want to live it. We want to do it. We want to go outside and be Jesus. And this is Jesus. This is Jesus. Not the one that sat back and said, Oh, you thinners, get out of here, evil. No, that got down and dirty and washed the sinner's feet. Christianity is known so much now today about what we don't like. We're not even known for what we do like. And that's the saddest thing in the world. We need to be known as lovers of God and lovers of people. And if that ever becomes a place where it's not, then we're done. This is why I love, we're going to be having another opportunity to have the Connect class. It's our membership classes. We, we just have three of them, Connect, Grow, and Serve. And we're, we've got, we did the Connect class last month, and we've got the Connect class coming up again, and we've got sign-up sheets out there. But basically it's saying, hey, I want to be a part of what you're doing here. I don't want to be someone that comes and sits. I want to be someone who's empowered to serve, because everyone has a mission at the mission. And, and, and I believe this. And so what, what I want to do, and, and I told Jason, I said, hey, Jason, if, if you're able, great. If not, I'll be the only one, and I'm fine with that. My wife and I, at the end of the grow class, and I know this might be a little disconcerting for some of you, but we want to get down and we're going to wash your feet. And we're not going to wash your feet because we're, I love feet. I don't. <laughs> My mom would pay me a quarter. She was a house cleaner. She cleaned five houses a day. She, she would get up at six, come back at six, and her feet were as hard as rocks, and she'd pay me a quarter to rub her feet. And it was like, oh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, oh. She's like, now get the lotion on there. It's like, oh. Can I get another quarter? My wife is like, thanks, mother-in-law. 
He won't rub my feet anymore. No. <laughs> but no, I mean, I'll do it. But, but honestly, what I see is that Jesus washed mine and I'm now to wash others. And, and, and what I'm hoping is that as you become a member of this church, you're not someone who just sits back and says, yeah, now get in there real deep. That's good. Awesome. Okay. All right. Now I'm going to sit back and just sit for a couple of years. No. The whole point is I'm washing your feet so you go out and wash someone else's. And you know what's sad to me is we have so many churches today that come about, hey, come, be a part, and if you don't like it, then take off, and nobody's washing each other's feet. And that's why we have so many arguments, so many things. Because who's the best? I'm the best. I'm the best church. I'm the best. Mm, we're to wash each other's feet. That's what it's about. And that's what we're about here at the mission. And so I'm privileged to do that. And my hope is that now you feel that privilege to go and do that as well. This is the power of vision. People who serve. Jesus living through us. If you're here, please understand, we are a church that does this. And, and if, if you're new, I am so, I'm so glad you're here. But please know, we're not a church that just says, hey, come, relax, drink coffee, and be prepared to not be asked to do anything. See, I, I just don't get that. As I said before, Jesus, He came, He lived, He talked, He sat, but then He went and He moved towards and He got up on a cross. And when He comes back, He says, now you go do likewise. He washed feet and He said, go do likewise. And so we say the same thing. I'm not the only pastor here. The Bible is very clear. If you're a follower of Christ, you are a pastor. You are. And this is what we are looking at. One of the best stories I ever heard was about a guy who was at this other church. And I, 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 um, I just remember hearing this because I, I was so intrigued. And it was just this little side note that this pastor was talking about this one guy. And it was like a five-minute little story. And then he went on to talk about something. But that was the thing that just intrigued me so much. It was this man who was in his 90s. And, and he was wheelchair-bound. A 90-year-old man in a wheelchair. What could he do? But I remember he would wheel himself out to where the youth were coming out and he would just hold up his hand. He could barely talk, but he would hold up his hand and he would give high fives to all those kids coming out. That's all he could do. You know how loved that man was? You know how much that served that culture who did not even know an old person except for the, the, the grandparents that they would go see once a year. All of a sudden they knew this man and they knew that he cared about them and all he was doing was giving them high fives. And it blew these kids away and he would sit at the front and he would just pass out things and have a smile on his face. See, he was benched physically, but Jesus was there serving. And I love to hear that. Everyone has a mission. See, when he finished washing their feet, he put his clothes on and returned to his place. He said, do you understand what I have done for you? You see, you call me teacher and you call me Lord. Those are capitalized for a good reason. This is a theological understanding. This isn't just like a teacher. This is the teacher. This isn't just like a lord, like, like a warlord in some country or, or as King Jong-il thinks he's everybody, you know, everybody should worship him. This isn't that little lord. No, this is the Lord over all. This is capital L. Nobody is bigger than me. And he says, rightly so. That's who I am. But... I came to serve. Now you go serve. See, a little la later he says, Very truly I tell you. 
That's where we should really pick up because basically Jesus only says that when he says this is what it's all about. This. If I were to give you the cliff notes, this is what it's about. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You see, ultimately happy and joyful if you live it. You don't just receive the vision. You just don't hear God loves you. You live God loves you. You just don't live or hear the vision of God loves others, but you live the vision of God loves others. That's what this is about. Experiencing God is not a philosophy. It's not an ideology. It's a God who says, now go and do it. Could it be like you might be a little like me a number of years ago where I did not feel God. I did not hear God. I struggled in my relationship. And it wasn't just one of those times that I was just going through a dark time in my life. No, it was just a time when I was doing everything but living his vision. I wasn't hearing God because I wasn't next to him. He was over there with the least of these. You see, in our church, has always going to be about the least, the last, and the lost. We're going to put our money where our mouth is because that's what it's about. Because God is always with the least, he's always with the last, and he's always with the lost. And where was I? Where I wanted to be comfortable. But man, was I uncomfortable. I didn't hear God at all. You see, some people get so sick and so insular. They're like a wounded animal who goes off to die. And Jesus finds you out and says, Come with me now, away from this. I'll heal you. And now let's go out into all the world. This is what Jesus did for us. And this is why we've been pushing this for the past two months. And so what I would say is, what now? What do we do now? This is it. I'm done. I just want to put this in a practical sense. Connect. We want you to connect. Do you have God's purpose and vision in your life? Are you connected with the God that desperately desires a relationship with you? If you are a connected or connected with Jesus, are you a connector outside these doors? Because this is just a, a transplanting area. This is just something where we, we this is an assembly line. We, we don't want you to get comfortable here. You know, we're just a distribution company, if you were to say it in, in, in a basic sense. We just distribute disciples out. We're not here to be a country club. We're not here to be, you know, the, the beach time where, oh man, I wish I could just live there for like three weeks. No! You're, you're here to come. This is the hospital where you get what you need. You get your supplies and you go out. And you connect with the community out there. Do you know those neighbors that just moved in? How about those parents that are sitting right there with you at your kids' sporting events? Or at the drama events? Or wherever you're at with them? How about your cubicle clan? That's a hard one to say. The people that you are all around in these crazy modern day things we call cubicles. And they're all around you. And you're seeing them maybe at the water cooler. Right? Or the break room. Are you connecting? The kids at school who have no connections and are sitting all alone. Are you connecting? Are you inviting this world to the mission? Are you walking with them? You see, we don't want to just be a place that you bring people to. We want to send you out. I think the worst thing that we do as a church is we say, Hey, everybody, bring all your friends here. 
But we don't equip you to go out. We don't show you what it means to live out in the world and just be Jesus and wash the feet of your co-workers. To wash the feet of your family. That's not my job. That's your job. That's what we say here. Grow. This is the next part. Grow. Are you struggling with understanding what this journey is with Jesus? Are you struggling with that? Do you know how to lead someone to Christ? Do you know how to just express God's love? We have this thing called Roots Class. And it's great. It's just nine weeks where we say, look, here's some information, but this isn't about info. This is about transformation. Now you go and do it. Now you go and you go into your school. You go into your neighborhood. You go into your family and you make it happen. God wants you to be a missionary because He was a missionary. And by the way, this isn't for people who don't know stuff. See, can I, can I just confess to you that I've been a Christian for a long time and haven't led very many people in discipleship in my own life, personal life. Because I think there's a, there's a sense that, oh, you know, I, I got to know Jesus when I was in sixth grade. I've been a Christian for 40 years, 50 years. So who are you leading to Christ? Who are you discipling right now? What neighbor are you talking to? Journeying with, struggling through their life, your life, doing this thing called going and making disciples, living your life with. It's not my job. That's your job. I get the privilege of standing up here and talking about it, but I don't want to just say, bring them to me and I'll do something. No, this is you. And so if you are struggling with that, that's what the Roots class is for. Join up and we're going to send you out to journey. You see, if you feel isolated from Jesus, maybe you were at that moment that I know I was, where I was all alone and I didn't have Jesus really just speaking to me. I couldn't hear Him. I I felt like my prayers were just... And I didn't have a community. That's why we do grow groups. We're as simple as that. We just have these groups where we get together and we pray for each other. We read God's Word and we do life together. That's the way we were meant to live. That's the heart of our God. And that's what we want to be about. See, Jesus wants to meet you in the hugs and cares of his people. If you haven't signed up for a grow group, I would encourage you, get a part of that. Lastly, serve. Look where we need to give generously of our time. This Wednesday, I get, I'm so excited, my wife and I, and, and we're going to go down to the, the Blessing Center and we're going to walk with Dr. Craig Turley um, over at the Blessing Center and that's when they're going to have a, a, we're going purposefully at 10 because he's going to show us how they're giving out food and, and, and clothing to, to 900 families a week. And, and he wants to show us that and then we're going to go out and talk about how we, how my family, just my family, if I'm the only one that goes, then that's all that matters for me. I would hope that others would go too, but we're going to have these things where we go and we serve and he's going to tell us what we can do and and how we can just love our community and get out there and wash the feet of those that, that just need a good washing and no one has tenderly touched them. No one has offered them any help, but we're here to say Jesus loves you and that's what we want to do. That's what happened to me. That's what I want to give to others. It was so cool. I was looking for other ways too. I was at this conference and there was a guy there that I know, but I forgot he lived in Redlands for a long time. This is where he grew up. And, and I said, hey, do you know anybody in Redlands that I could also get a, in, in contact with? Um, you know, because I just want to, honestly, I want to open the doors and I want to go outside. I want to serve people for Jesus. And he said, yeah. In fact, my brother-in-law is a lieutenant 
in the Redlands Police Department. And his main job, besides protecting, is to serve. And he's the community liaison to the community of Redlands to reach out and help kids and help the community. And I'm like, can I get his number and talk to him? And he said, yeah. And he texted him. And his brother-in-law was really excited because there's a church that wants to serve. And I can't wait to talk to him. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit down with him and say, hey, where can we as a church serve the community? That's huge. I'm so excited. You guys, we here believe you have a space. You have a place. This is your family. And we want you to jump in and serve. I'm really excited about all the things we're doing, but one of those areas that that we get to do, and I was going to show you a video, but I think I'm going to save it for next time because I don't want to go too much longer. Sorry, already too late, huh? <laughs> but we serve, we partner with people in, in, well, it's this little area, I don't know if you've heard about it recently, it's called Russia and Ukraine. I hear it's really important right now, some things going on. They're right there in St. Petersburg, it's the Todds. And they're there. And there's people just as confused in Russia and Ukraine, about what's going on in life. And they're serving them and saying, God has a bigger purpose for you than Putin. God has a better purpose for you than Obama. God has a better purpose for you than anybody in this world today. And He wants you to know He loves you and He died for you. And how can we serve you so that you can be empowered to serve others? Now, this is what I want to do really quickly because all these things are, it seems like a lot of stuff, but this is all we're going to do. You come back in 10 years, this is it. We're not doing anything else. We're going to connect, we're going to grow, and we're going to serve. That's it. But again, I, I could say this until the cows come home, and I think I have, and I apologize. They've been in the pasture a long time. But I want you to stand up. If you're, ava- if you're able to, this is, uh, if you are making this church your home, I want you to stand up and I want to ordain you. If you're from another church and you're like, you know what, I, I, I'm at another church, I'm at another place, and you don't feel like a very pastorly person where you're at, this is the time for me to say, I want to ordain you. This is the time for you to pick up your mantle and say, hey, I am not just a member. I'm not just a Christian. I'm a minister. You see, I might actually be ordained by some denomination, but that really doesn't mean anything if I don't do it. And I can say the same for you. God has ordained you to go out and do. And so every year I want to do this with you. We're going to have a a, a state of the union type thing where we just kind of reiterate these things, but I just want to say you are given to this community by God to be the pastor where you're at. And so I'm just going to do something a little different. You might not know it. I'm just going to raise my hand and I'm going to just say some words of ordination to you because you're a pastor, whether you know it or not. And this community needs you to step out. Your family needs you to step out. Your schools need you to step out. So I just pray now in the name of the Lord and in His mighty power and in His glorious work that you would receive this consecration, this holy ordination, in knowing that you are people of God. You are ministers of the King. You are reconcilers to a broken, warring world. You're here to bring peace. You're here to bring love. You're here to bring hope. You're here to bring joy. You're here to bring the King of Kings. And in your place, 
and in your home and in your community, God wants to use you. So I commission you in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit to go out and be the pastor that God's calling you to be. Amen. I really hope you take it seriously. Because I can't do this alone. There's 70,000 people in Redlands, people. I can reach what? 11? I'm not going to go bigger than Jesus. I, ex I expect you to not go bigger than Jesus. Don't try to beat Jesus, okay? It's going to be real hard. But if you can touch 11 people, you've done your work. All right, let's, let's, let's bring the worship team up here. And you guys can be seated. I'm really excited because I know that God's called you. And you know what? This is a place for everybody. And whether you've been called or not, whether you stand or not, this is our family. This is who we are. And I'm just hoping that you guys can be with us on this as we go into the next year. I'm, I'm super excited about what, what God's doing and how God's leading us. But I know that God's good. Let me just pray real quick. Lord, I just thank you for my people. I thank you for my brothers and my sisters. Because I need this. You know, I, I, I'm going to be over here doing this, or I'm going to be over here doing that, but I can't wait to hear what they're doing. Lord, this is a big task. There's so many people that are hurting and that have no hope. And so my, my passion, my prayer, is that we release ministers of your hope, of your passion, of your purpose. And they do work that even you sit back and go, no way! Because Jesus, you said you're going to do bigger things than even I did. And we know we're going to get to heaven and say, we picked up the mantle and we did what you called us to do. And, and, and you're just going to sit there and go, I can't believe it. It was awesome. It was awesome. Redlands was different. Ukaipa was different. All around. Mentone, you name, they were rocked to their foundation and their core because Jesus met us in your hands, in your feet. And you connected, you grew, and you served. Well done. Well done. Lord, we love you. And I just give my brothers and sisters to you and thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.